Hi, this is Hal Aaron. And yes, the rumors are true. Dan May is on Tales of the Road Warriors. Hey there, this is Hal Aaron Cohen. Welcome to my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors. And today we have a really special treat for you. Uh, talk about a road warrior. Um, I spoke with Dan May in December, shortly after he celebrated his 60th birthday. And in this fascinating episode, Dan talks about his early days in Sandusky, Ohio, uh, where he worked summers with the family at the local amusement park. And he talked about his first garage band and meeting girls and his early influences. Uh, And then he studied opera in Philadelphia, became a professional opera singer for uh, for 12 years. And then he had vocal cord surgery, which put him on a whole different course. Then he worked three years as a dancer in a Russian touring company. Uh, Meanwhile, in all this time, as an opera singer, he was suppressing this wonderful songwriter hidden within. Years later, uh, when Dan allowed all those songs that he had been suppressing to emerge from the depths, he met Liz Miller at a taxi song expo in Los Angeles. And this led him on the path to his becoming the beloved singer-songwriter he is known as throughout the world today. As if that isn't enough, Dan is an author, too. In 2016, Dan's book, Adventures in Grocery Shopping and Other Short Stories from a Serial Isle Aficionado, immediately made the Philadelphia Inquirer's Best Books of 2016 list. Now, Dan continues to perform live in and around Philadelphia, and he often visits his hometown of Sandusky, Ohio, where he performs for his longtime friends and fans. Uh, If you want to learn more about Dan, and I'll I'll repeat this at the end of the uh, interview, you can purchase his music or books by visiting danmaycd.com. And also, uh, I have a uh, personal review of Adventures in Grocery Shopping uh, on another website, so I'll link to that. I even created a little video advertisement for it because I love this book so much. So uh, if you haven't gotten the book, get the book. And in the meantime, I guess you're waiting to hear my little conversation with Dan. So let's not waste any more time. Here it is. So good morning, Dan May, or is it Daniel May? Dan. It was Daniel when I was an opera singer, but it's Dan now. Okay, because on Skype it says Daniel May. Probably I had that when I was singing opera, maybe. I don't know. Is this the same guy? (laughs) Well, (laughs) you've had quite a few uh, iterations. What's what's the word? Uh, That works. I was watching an interview on YouTube. I was at NBC, and they, they were just going over. They were getting a kick out of all the things you've done. So, Oh, right. Yeah, the jobs over the years. Yeah. When I dropped out of college the first time, after one semester, I did all kinds of stuff before I went in the Air Force. So, Like what? So, uh, I worked in a factory making gear shift covers. I lived in northern Ohio, so we were... My town was a support industry for the automotive industry in Detroit. So we made, there's a ball bearing factory and I worked in a rubber factory that made all the, all the components of a car that are made of rubber, like gear shift covers and the, the knobs on your 
radio and I'm I made gear shift covers. Myself. So you knew you knew you had to escape that life. And yeah, I quit after two weeks because I had so many burns on my forearms from raising and lowering that hot press and plus I was working three to seven and uh, I never got to see my girlfriend, so that right. didn't last long. But I was a grave digger after that, and what else? Just tons of stuff. I was a cameraman for a cable TV company. Well, that sounds a lot more fun than grave digger. That was a lot of fun. Cameraman as much. <laughs> Somebody, my producer at that, uh, that job yesterday posted on Facebook a one of the broadcasts, news broadcasts from 1975. And and I was the cameraman on that. It's just like, wow, long time ago. You refer to Sandusky a lot. Yeah, I was born there. I, I lived there till I was 18. Then I went in the Air Force. So I was there my whole life. It's just northern Ohio. It's a, it's a town right on Lake Erie. It's kind of a resort town. There's an amusement park there. Growing up, my whole family Worked at the amusement park in the summertime, as did I. And so, what did you I go back a couple times a year and do shows there. Yeah, how how large a town is Sandusky? Uh, it's about thirty five thousand. It's an hour from Cleveland, an hour from Toledo, so you have access to metropolitan areas where you can watch concerts and stuff like that. How old were you when you were in the amusement park? I worked there. My family worked there when. You know, my brothers and sisters all worked there when they were in high school. My dad worked there in the summertime. He was a uh, a teacher, so he had summers off, and he worked in cash control. I worked there the summer after my senior year, so I was eighteen. I worked in the food warehouse. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you did. Did you, I thought maybe you were uh, working one of the rides? You know, watching you know people uh, get stuck up on the top <laughs> I, of the first. I would really have fun. liked to do that. And I would have liked to. They also had entertainment. They had shows, you know, live shows over there. Right. Were you playing music at that time, or uh, no, that? not really? I just I'd been in a band, but I was the lead singer. I didn't play any instrument or anything like that. So I didn't have the chops to to do that. What kind of music did your first little band play? You know, rock. A lot of the my uh, the guys in the band were big Stones fans. So we played a lot of Stones. You know, the the rock that was popular in the seventies. Yeah, did you play like the high school dance? Oh yeah, yeah, high school dances, stuff like that. It's so funny. Your my popularity amongst the girls went up, like skyrocketed as soon as I played there. It's amazing what music does to to improve your looks. That was my first experience with that, and I enjoyed it. But I still, um, the guy who is the the guitar player in the band, Jerry Guerra, he and I hooked up back in '99 again, and he was uh, he co-wrote my first album, so that was pretty cool. So yeah, one of my talking points that I I, I asked people is, did being a musician help your social life or prevent or prevent you from having one so obviously that answers the question <laughs> it was uh, it, it, it did but it was so short-lived in high school that uh, i didn't read too many benefits plus i had a girlfriend so so when it was did fun. You, i enjoyed it yeah, yeah girlfriends are nice <laughs> yeah she's my wife now so. <laughs> <laughs> well, can, oh by the way speak i was going to say congratulations on that but you also just celebrated your birthday now I did. I turned 60 on Tuesday. Yeah, the big six. Oh, well, happy birthday. I feel good, though. I feel like I'm at my peak of creativity, and uh, I'm in the best shape of my life physically. 
So that's cool. So when did you pick up, what did you pick up first, the guitar or, or the piano? Or uh, Well, I was, my, my brothers and I had seven, there were seven in our family and my, my oldest brother played guitar and my second brother played uh, trumpet and my sister played French horn, but I didn't play anything. I was, I had a lot of great musical influences growing up. My, my mom was a singer and, um, but my oldest brother was into the Beach Boys and, you know, the Searchers, all the early rock in the early 60s. And, and then my other brother was into jazz and my sister liked show tunes and my other sister liked Cat Stevens. And so I was getting a lot of, a you, lot of music. You had a broad spectrum down. of yeah, influence. exactly. But I didn't actually start playing an instrument until, until I went to college and um, I needed to have... I was I was I'd gone to Bowling Green for four years as a journalism major. I wanted to be a, a film critic, so I was had I was majoring in majoring in uh, journalism and minoring in film because I wanted to be a film critic. Um, but then we moved from Sandusky to Columbus, so my wife could go to college at Ohio State, and I wanted to transfer my journalism credits, and they wouldn't transfer any. And at the time, I was just starting to write songs, so I decided I'd start over in music, and uh, and yet, and so my major vo- you have to have a major and a minor instrument to get a, a music degree. Okay. My major instrument was my voice, and I had to learn piano at that time. So I minored in piano. But that was the first time I'd ever played an instrument. When I was a kid, my brother, the guitar player, his guitar was sitting against a chair, and I fell into it and snapped the neck <laughs> so he had it fixed but the action was really high they didn't fix it right so when i went to try to take it for guitar lessons it was like murder you know holding down the strings i know i know that feeling my very first guitar was like a 25 dollar guitar that we got at eighth street music in philadelphia and it was then it was called domino Right, and the action was so high, and my guitar teacher had this beautiful Epiphone, and I couldn't wait to go to my lesson to play his guitar because he let me play the Epiphone. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was um, it shot down an early guitar career because I thought all guitars were that way. Yeah, you know, I'd never touched another guitar, and I said, I was like, I can't do this. It's just I don't know how they're able to, but I can't. So. I didn't pick up the guitar. I didn't learn to play guitar till I was fifty-four. You know, I play really? now. But, uh, yeah, I know you play now, but uh, I didn't realize you start, had started the guitar so late. Yeah, yeah, I play. Uh, I play keyboards, but I mean, I, I play piano more as writing than performing. You know, I don't consider myself a piano player, and I, I just use it as a writing tool. I mean, I wrote most of my songs on the piano and then the last couple albums were written on the guitar so oh, okay i when i write i sometimes I, I switch it depends on the kind of song i'm trying to write so sometimes it's a guitar sometimes it's piano depending on the feel that i want to get like the the piano things you can do on the piano where you have that like where you're holding a chord and then the the bass note is walking down in half steps you just can't do that on the guitar it's just it doesn't Although work. You, and- you can't unless you have a loop station. I recently discovered, I've had one forever, but I, I just recently started messing with it. And I, I'm sorry I haven't earlier because you could do walk downs and stuff while it's looping something else. 
But and I, I, I want to get back to your mom. You said she was a singer and you were an opera singer. So that preceded your, your songwriting career. Yeah, well, did your mom sing opera? Was, my mom sang. Um, she was a. Uh, she like she sang on this uh, TV show in Cleveland. Her and her friend went up, and it was kind of like a talent show. But she was always in the choir, and and she always sang sang around the house, and um, she was always listening to music, and she would sing me to sleep every night, and um, but. So I think she was a big influence on me in, in that regard, and I think I got my voice from her. So my brother, uh, or my brothers and sisters, were a big influence, and my mom was a singer. And then uh, when I was going to to Bowling Green as a journalist, that's where the big war was, right? That's what. <laughs> The what? The, the war, the war of Bowling Green. You don't remember that? Oh right, that's right. That was <laughs> massacre. The, the, the massacre. massacre. Bowling Green. Oh my gosh, I totally had forgotten about that. Yeah, but just, <laughs> I, I tried. I was transferring down to Ohio State, and you know, planning on finishing my journalism uh, degree, and and they didn't accept any any uh, the credits. So I said, well, if I'm gonna, I'm interested in music more than I'm writing now at this point so i went and and applied to the school of music and um and the the dean said he had he advised me not to to even bother because i'd never had any music experience i hadn't studied music theory he said you'll never last and so that kind of inspired me even more right but uh so i i had to have a a major instrument which was my voice and my minor instrument was piano and I was go. I went in as a composition major because I wanted to hone my songwriting skills. And um, after a semester in there, a, a voice teacher heard me sing and and asked if I'd have ever uh, had any interest in singing opera. And honestly, I didn't know anything about opera other than what I heard on like Bugs Bunny or something like that. And, <laughs> um, so I I started studying with this person and and. Uh, it just took off from there, and I, after four years, I graduated with a degree in vocal performance, and um, I got a scholarship. The reason I ended up here in Philly, I got a scholarship to the Academy of Vocal Arts, which is like the number one opera training center in the world, and so I got a four-year scholarship and came here and studied, and after graduating from there, I got, a, I got an agent out of Dallas, Mariella Collins, and then I sang professionally for 12 years, and as an opera singer until I had to have vocal cord surgery, which Ooh, put an end to that. I remember yeah. that, yeah. So, yeah, when you said your mom was a singer, I was asking you earlier, I, I assumed maybe she was an opera singer, but uh, so what was she no. more like gospel and, and your sister was show tunes? Yeah, my mom was just like, she liked Al Martino and the crooners and, uh, you know, the popular music of the time. You know, she and the lullabies. Of, yeah, yeah. She would sing me like, um, uh, "How much is that doggy in the window?" and uh, "Little Sirocco" and things that were popular. I think on the radio when she was a kid, and so she was she was a, a pop singer. I mean, she would sing popular music, but then she would sing the the hymns in church and um, so gospel. I guess she like. Nah, gospel. it wasn't gospel. It was like standard Catholic fair. Uh, you know, with the, the same Catholic churches. 
not not gospel. There's not enough soul. There's no soul in that <laughs> music <laughs> of the Catholic Church, and I don't mean that disparagingly. That's just they're just those. Yeah, uh, just the way. That's the kind of music yeah, it is. Yeah. Just, so, yeah, my brother was. He was the one of the first that had a folk. They did folk masses, so he played. It was a guitar mass. So that's when things kind of turned around in some respect. But so she would sing in church, and that's where I'd hear her sing the most and around the house. So she never did it as a profession or you know anything other than for entertainment purposes. Yeah, just pure pure personal joy. Yeah, so she then, was a piano player also. Again, she she started playing piano when she was a little girl and i have her piano right it's right behind me here and um she gave it to me when my dad and she and my dad moved into a condo and and it was her mom's piano so it's got a lot of memories in it and a lot of songs and i've written i'd say a good portion of my songs were written on that piano so there's some kind of mojo in there it's got sentimental value too so Oh, absolutely! It's a beautiful piece of furniture too, which is nice. Is but, it a was it a, a Steinway or a, what was? No, it's Schaefer a Grinnell Stein. Brothers, which was a Detroit uh, piano maker. I think they've gone out of business in the seventies or something. But uh, you know, just a yeah. Just a lot a of those old traditional piano makers are gone yeah, now. Yeah, right. What's the it? Regional Gr- piano. Grinnell maker. Brothers with a G. Grinnell, yeah. Okay. So then, all right, so then the opera thing happened in college. It was like totally out of the left field then. It was, and um, it was uh, it was something I never planned on, but I really, really enjoyed it. But I had to turn off that songwriting part of my brain because, I mean, I'd, I'd had songs. Songs used to come into my head when I was a little kid. Like these melodies would pop into my head, and I'd sing them, and I'd add some words, and I'd go to my mom. I'd say, Mom, what is this song? And I'd sing it to her, and she goes, I don't know. I've never heard that. And I'd say, Jeez, huh? <laughs> and then I remember talking to, I was like in junior high, and I was talking to one of my friends and saying, you know when you, like a song pops into your head? And, and he had no clue what I was talking about. So then I finally realized that it's not something that happens to everybody. You know, right. songs just dropping out of the sky into your head. So yeah, I notice a lot of uh, uh, so the entertainers and songwriters were were different. Uh, for years, I I wasn't even Hal. I was Elliot's brother because he was the <laughs> one out in the street playing stickball and and winning trophies in little league, and I was sitting in the room just playing the guitar in my own little world. And uh, uh, I wish that I wish when I would have sat down at the piano and started plunking out melodies when I was a kid that my mom or somebody would have recognized that I had more than a casual interest in music. Right. Uh, but I think when you have seven kids, you're too busy trying to keep the ship afloat to notice. Yeah. And, you know, my three my three older siblings played instruments. I think by that time, I, I don't even know if we could afford, in, uh, uh, what do you call, lessons anymore. So I kind of fell in the cracks in that regard. Yeah, a lot of us did. And our, our parents' generation had that, you know, uh, go to college or be a bum kind of philosophy. If you had any kind of artistic ability or musical ability, they didn't know how to advise you anyway. They, they, even if they wanted to support you with everything they had. Your, That's your, very your true. school counselor yeah. didn't know where to tell you to turn either. No, but, uh, you know, but with like opera, I, 
I, I wasn't uh, paying attention to, but as soon as I started doing it, I, I just loved it. I liked the the grandeur of it, and I liked the the costumes and the sets, and I liked being on stage. But you know that thing that I had, the reason I had started in the school of music, the the songwriting, the songs kept popping into my head, and I just have to ignore them. I just pushed them back because I it was so much. There's so much work involved in learning opera and learning a role. I mean, you're talking about the foreign language. And so, you know, I studied French and German and uh, Italian and Russian. And so there wasn't time for, for writing songs. Right. And so you were completely diverted from that path. Completely. And I mean, there's, there's like musical holes in my, in my past, like during the, the period from, Oh, probably 84 to 94, where I didn't listen to music on the radio because I was always busy learning roles. So, so when did the breakthrough happen to the... Well, I was, so I was singing opera. I was working around the country in uh, opera companies. Opera is a freelance business. So you go to, you get hired by an opera company and you stay there for a month. You do three weeks of rehearsal and then a week of performances. So I'd be in New York or I'd be in Charleston or Mobile, Alabama or Jackson Hole, Wyoming, wherever. So after all that time. work, the uh, the average run was only a week in each city? Yeah, you usually do three performances. Wow. You, you do, um, I think because even a, even a company like Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Opera Company, which is a pretty big company, usually only does three or four. Because there's not enough of an audience, to, you know what I mean? You're already struggling to get yeah people to come, and the, the yeah. audience is dying off a bit. Right? Yeah, opera is not the most popular form of entertainment. No, it's not. I mean, and it's and it's steadily even going if you ask me about and, opera, all I could tell you was uh, I, Adam Sandler, Opera Man, when he's singing the news <laughs> on Saturday. It's night funny live. that's done totally tongue in cheek, but I know people like that. But uh, so I mean, I was singing singing around the country with opera companies and I was uh, I was doing an opera in Buffalo and and uh, when you stay in these these cities they either house you in a hotel or they'll give you an apartment or sometimes they'll you'll stay with uh, people have a, a room in their house you and they, you live there but this time they had a staying in it was what was it was Buffalo Opera and we were staying in this old convent that had been closed up for like 20 years. So me and these other two guys were living in there for a month, and we all got Legionnaire's disease. Oh, my. I thought that was fatal. Inhale. No, it's not fatal. Oh, okay. Oh, that's we good. inhaled the dust that was lying in the, the heat ducts. <laughs> and so what? one of the effects of it, it paralyzes your vocal cords. And we were all having difficulty, but... So I had a paralyzed vocal cord, and um, and I went in and uh, I had surgery done. What they they had to inject fat from my thigh into it to, to your when you when your vocal cords come together and air passes yeah, through. Yeah, I, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what creates sound, but mine weren't doing that. So you know, in opera, there's no amplification. So you sit your raw voice over a 60-piece orchestra, and you're filling up a 3,000-seat auditorium. So I had lost most of my volume, 
and I was having a difficult time, but the surgery worked for about six months and my voice came back and then my body absorbed the fat and I went, I was back to square one. I had, I couldn't sing anymore. It doesn't affect like the sound or the quality of your voice anymore. Right. It's just the volume you can put out. How long did this episode, was that because it's a year of your life or? A- yeah, it was probably a year or so between the time I was first diagnosed and by the time I sang my last opera, um, I mean, there was a, at the time there was a possibility I could put an implant in, but it was new surgery and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a guinea pig. Then I just, I just finished singing an opera up in Banff, Canada, and this choreographer liked the way I moved on stage (laughs) and he contacted me and said, asked, would I be interested in performing in this contemporary dance that he was putting up in in russia and i was like well i'm not a dancer but uh, yeah i'll give it a try so for three years i did that i was i was uh, performing a, in a contemporary ballet in um, in montreal what a transition who oh. was we did the world premiere in in uh, st petersburg russia and the north american premiere was in um uh, Victoria, British Columbia. So I loved that. That was a, that was a lot of fun. It was about a, sh- a ship that had a convoy that had sunk in World War II, and I was the captain of the convoy. So it was it was mostly s- like slow motion, stylized kind of stuff. Okay. Me and two other dancers on stage for an hour and a half. That was that was it. So, <laughs> but that was a great experience. But then I blew out my hip. I had a hip replacement, and and that's when I went full time into back to songwriting you just wandered into a music store and picked up a guitar or what how (laughs) well i i allowed those those songs that had been that i'd been pushing to the back of my mind for for the past eight 12 years i allowed them to come out and i started writing again and um i think it was uh probably around 2001 2002 that i was really into it big time and i Re, I hooked up with my old guitar player from my high school band and started writing with him. And then in, I think it was 2005, the first first record came out. And I was uh, I was out in well, I was out at a songwriters convention, a taxi convention out in L.A. And um, I got off the plane and I saw this lady standing next to the the bus terminal and she was she looked like she didn't know where she was going i said hey are you you going to the you here for the songwriters convention and she was like i am and so i introduced myself was liz miller so she and i became friends there and she gave me a copy of her first cd at the time i think it was relatively new it was her brother it's called there and back and and i listened to it because you know she said she was a nurse and i'm thinking what is this going to be like you know so I put the CD on the hotel room, and I thought it was fantastic and how talented she was. And so, so we became fast friends. And she, I heard her the production of her CD, and she introduced me to her producer, who was a guy named Anthony Newitt. And um, so I started working with him and put out my first record in 2005, and the second one in 2006. What was the first record? First record was called Once Was Red. Second one was um, Fate Said Nevermind. And they're available on iTunes? Or oh, yeah, CD they're on Baby. iTunes or Amazon or uh, Spotify. 
Pandora, all those places you normally find music now. CD Baby, if you want hard copies. Yeah, CD Babies, if you want a CD. That's right. And I put out six six more records, a total of six since then. And working on number seven right now. And your current <laughs> incarnation is with the uh, band you've been playing for with for a while, off and on, or yeah, most of the most of the guys have been around a while. I mean, when I started when I started writing, I had no intention of ever playing live. I was just writing and recording, thought you know I'd sell the songs or whatever. But then um, I had gotten some encouragement from people to try live, so I put together a live band via via. Um, Craigslist. I was going to say, don't say Craigslist. <laughs> That's right, Craigslist. I mean, too late. He did. My first, my first band was put together, and that's where I found Tom Hampton, who's kind of, he's played with me for a dozen years or so. But I mean, once, once my, once the band was established, and I was getting radio airplay and stuff like that, then it's not so hard to find guys after that. But you know, when you're an unknown and you're putting putting together a band nobody knows your, your stuff then it's something different but yeah so it's evolved and the band is uh it's kind of morphed there'll be guys that are in it for a period of time and then a guy will be replaced and um but the the group i'm the group of guys i'm with now i've been with for probably five or six years yeah, yeah they sound tight and your harmonies are just yeah. impeccable yeah, we we take a lot of pride in that. And Anthony knew it. Like I said, my first producer, he's he's back in the band. He was in the first incarnation of the band, and he's back again. So he's a great player to have around. And we were just in Ohio doing a show, and it's a lot of fun. Well, yeah, and I hope some of the people that I know that live on the West Coast, if you're listening to this, uh, check Dan May out. Go on YouTube. He's even got an animated. Uh, uh, a songwriting friend out of my, of mine out in California, Joe Bressler, is a very talented singer songwriter. His brother is a uh, is an animator. He's got a company called Dube Tunes. I mean, they do like Weird Al's cartoons, and so he did he did that for me. But it was kind of a commentary on the the amount of guns in America, and um, it's unfortunately at times been taken to be a pro-gun statement and it's it's quite the opposite um yeah it's like if but, you if you grew up like listening to the fairy tales and you're like you you were in love with jack from jack and the beanstalk this this cartoon will make you hate him <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a bit of a criminal in there yeah, it's really it's like i was rooting for the giant <laughs> you know it's funny it's probably the the um my uh, or that's a video that's gotten the most views. I think it's like eighty or ninety thousand or whatever. But you know the comments by people. You know this is this is uh, armed robbery. <laughs> yeah, Jack's a bad that. guy. Some people are. <laughs> the giant but, puts uh, all that hard work into his his okay. you know his castle in the sky, and this little bastard comes along. That's right. It was done. <laughs> it was done very done very tongue in cheek. And um, but I'm I'm happy with it. The, the I thought the uh, the cart we start out as as insects and the band turns into humans at the end. But right. it's uh, it's entertaining and I thought Doug Bressler did a great job. Well done. It. Yes. Wait. I'm, that's me clapping. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It's a, 
it's a fun song if you're not taking it too every time i want to post it on facebook there'll be another shooting somewhere i'm like uh, <laughs> at this point at this point i can't really promote the song I'll tell you what, I I had something similar happen with me. I wrote a song. As a matter of fact, Little Hank's Guide for Songwriters, where this whole Tales of the Warrior thing sprung from, based on a character in a song I wrote that uh, Weird, uh, not Weird, um, Dr. Demento played it a couple years in a row. It was a Christmas song called I Met Santa on the Internet. And the right. and the uh, little hero of the song is like a kid, just just like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Okay. Basically, uh, Santa promises all these games he can download. You know, the internet was young when I wrote this, so it mentions like uh, floppy disks in the song. <laughs> so, but anyway, and uh, then in the second verse, Santa sort of like, well, Sa- Christmas is over now. I, I I know a game we can play, and I'll meet you in the park. And then it turns out, like, you know, he's a pedophile. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I can understand. Um, yeah, so and and the thing is, little Hank, the little character in the song, he's like right away catches on, you know, and and the verse goes, uh, I I hope that he'll forgive me. I didn't mean to lie, but you know, I couldn't leave before I called the FBI. <laughs> so like the kids, you know, turning them in. So, uh, but then this whole thing with pedophiles blew up, and I think I can't even promote this song anymore. It's not. Right. It's not f- as funny as it once was. No, no, I and, know what you mean. Though. And talking, like- and talk, you know, and talking to you, I'm like, you're from a place called Sandusky, and like when that whole Penn State. That's right. Thing, I got you, a lot. You of had to go through the same that. thing, right? Fortunately, it's kind of blown over at this point. But it's like right now I see there's some kind of backlash about the song Baby It's Cold Outside. Have you seen I, any of that? Yeah, I, yeah, I caught a little bit of that on Twitter. I'm, I I don't know. It's like you can't say anything anymore. Well, you it, know, that song was written from a 1940s or 50s mentality, and things were different back then. And Right. I understand both sides of the, of the story. You know what I mean? I, I can take both sides of the issue, but... I, th- I think we are maybe a little bit too sensitive. Yeah, you might be right about that. So what else is going on, Dan? Uh, let's see. I have a show. I don't know whether this will air before uh, January 5th, but I have a show, upcoming show at um, the, the the Locks in Maniunk. Yeah, this probably won't air. Until, I'm, I'm not going to probably debut this podcast till like mid-January. Well, then I would... Just edit this out, though. <laughs> but uh, I can leave it. In. Just you can find my music on uh, Facebook. Or, I mean, YouTube or uh, iTunes. I got a book out now, also, which is called Adventures in Grocery Shopping. Just like short musings and essays about life. And, we uh, love this book. It's going Dan. very well. What's that? I said we love this book. It's I appreciate ba- that. It's basically, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's basically it's, a bunch of your Facebook posts and all your friends and fans said, that's Dan, true. put this into a book, and that's what you did. That's exactly what happened. And, I mean, the Philadelphia Inquirer made their list of best books of 2016, which was a big surprise, and uh, it's doing very well. I'm excited. And I, I incorporate it into my live shows now. I do readings from the book. I set up this little living room on stage where there's a – easy chair and a lamp and an end table and i and i read a saw i read a story from the book and that is somehow connected to the the next song or and i mean it's it's gone over great and i a lot of people come to the shows that don't even know my music 
They just know the book. And so it's it's been a great You get the best of both com- worlds then. Yeah, I think people like that um that combination of the arts and it gives a it gives a nice break between songs and uh well, I'll you know, tell so you do what like I want to do. Uh, songs and then a story and um and uh you know, it's kind of gives a a little bit of perspective on the guy behind the music a little bit. Yeah, and, I like that. Yeah. Well, I'll I, tell you I, I'm doing it. Uh, th- this podcast is go- going to be, you know, a comp- connected to my website, the Tales of War, uh, uh, Tales of the Road Warriors dot com. So there'll be show notes for each episode. So I'll put links to all this stuff. I'll make sure that. Very cool. Thank you. So and uh, you are what you have a website, right? I do. It's danmaycd.com. So we got all the plugs in there, and it's been great talking to you. All right, well, great talking to you, man. Good luck with this. I'm I'm excited to listen to the other artists that you'll be talking to, and uh, it's nice to be one of the. Uh, I don't want to call myself guinea pigs, but we're, I'm one of the test patients, I guess, for the new podcast. You're just so. one of the early adapters, because you're a road That's, warrior. Yeah, we'll come back at some point and and go into a little more detail. All right. We'll anyway, good luck, man. Good talking to you. Thanks, Dan. Well, there you go. That was Dan May. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope we get around too, because I think we barely scratched the surface. You know, I'm a little bit new at podcasting at this point, and Dan was one of my very first uh, people that I had an opportunity to chat with. So uh, when he comes back, I know it's going to There's going to be a lot more to talk about. And uh, remember, if you want to learn more about Dan or purchase his music or his book, Adventures in Grocery Shopping, go to danmaycd.com. All right. Well, that wraps it up for me for this week. So uh, I'm going for a drive. I'm going for a drive.